Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill, Gracia, Dave, Don. And today we have a very special guest host in the studio with us. Steve, would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. Good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we did just want to make a couple quick announcements before we got started. There's a lot of chaos going on in our world right now. And we just wanted to say that, you know, we stand with our Asian friends, I guess, against hate of all kinds. And also with all the mass shootings going on, you know, we definitely wish there was a way to end that. I don't think anybody wants to take anybody's guns away, but we wish there was a way to uh, limit the number that are out on the streets today. So... I'd like to take their guns away. I know you would, Dad. Oh, boy. All right. So before we get into part two of Lizzie Borden, Gracia, would you like to tell us about the drink today? Yes. Today we did a Moscow Mule, and I looked online for a simple recipe just to make it uh, very basic because I had a crazy weekend with my birthday. So we're doing the Cooking Chicks. They have a classic mule, which they put Tito's and ginger beer and lime. So basically what you're going to want to do if you like a bitey one There's a brand that they recommend called Fever Tree. You can get it at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or any place like that. And it's a little bit more of a bite to it. And it's about two ounces of alcohol, six ounces of the ginger beer, and then a half a lime squeezed on top. You're going to want to build this one and not shake it. And when I did the mocktail, it was very similar recipe by MaryThought.com. And all I substituted was soda water for the vodka. And that was just to give it a little extra to break that ginger beer up a little bit. How is it, Dave? It's good. Good, good. How does everybody like the mule? It's great. Zesty. I like it, yeah. It's got a good bite to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Good, good. I'm glad everyone likes it. Cool. All right, Dave, here we are. Lizzie Borden, week two. Where are we starting? So we're picking up where we left off last week. And the murders took place on a Thursday, which was, you know, August 4th. And... So after the murders and the next couple days, what you're going to have is very large crowds are going to start gathering around the board in the state. The house is being watched by police and huge audiences pretty much day and night. And what you also have is an enormous attention that almost immediately centers around this case, not just in Fall River, but around the nation. So this is really like, you know, they say the OJ case was obviously the crime of the century in the 90s. In the 1800s, this was the crime of the century. That's Um, an interesting analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And the nation's paying a lot of attention to the case. And what's going to happen next, though, is that there's going to be a funeral. For the Bordens, of course. This is going to be a private funeral, but as the mourners are leaving, they're interrupted by the police, and the police said that they have a warrant to basically take possession of the bodies. So they finally got the bodies off the kitchen table, though, huh? They did. They eventually <laughs> do take the bodies the off. The whole time they were on the kitchen table? Yeah, dining yeah. room table, yes. yeah. Yep. yeah. People were, like, eating around them. Yeah. So they move the bodies off, and then they put out a spread for everybody. <laughs> the girls got to eat, Steve. Jacuterie board. <laughs> yep. Or it's like those naked Asian ladies that they eat sushi off the bodies. <laughs> that's, that's disgusting. <laughs> All right, Dave. So it's kind of like past the mutton then. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Past the mutton, indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, from, from Thursday to Saturday in the, mor- the morning when the undertaker took possession of the bodies. We're indeed in the Borden residence on the dining room table. So now they take the bodies, and of course Lizzie and Emma are 
necessarily thrilled about this, but they don't have a way to stop them. Then they return to their home, and it's being searched now very vigorously by the police. Now, what's important is to understand is that neither Lizzie nor Emma tried to discourage the police in any way from searching the property. In fact, very much the opposite. They actually helped them open some chests, um, so, and they tell them, do as thorough of a search as you can. So this is not generally something you would say a guilty person would be doing. They'd have come back. They'd have been like, do you have a warrant? If not, please show yourself the door. Well, on the other hand, though, it's been, what'd you say, four or five days? So if Two. you did it, too, still, if you did it, like, okay, if I was going to kill somebody, I wouldn't mm -hmm. hold on to the materials I used for two days, I'd probably try to dispose of it quickly. Fire. You'd fire, fire. Yeah, you'd have to have burned it because she really can't get out of the house because there's huge crowds around oh, right, the yeah. house. Okay. So, And that's even late at night. In fact, on Thursday night, the night of the murder, somebody came downstairs to sit with the bodies and the police were aware of it. Yeah. So it would have been very difficult for her to have had the weapons taken out. Not impossible if she had an accomplice. And we'll talk about that. I've been thinking the of end. Two, um, two places. One of you have already mentioned is the stove. Yep. She could have burned it. The other is they have a, it's a sort of, what do they call it? Indoor pride, privy? Yeah, latrine. You. That you could drop things down in, and no one's going down there. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm yeah. just saying that's there's a possibility. Yeah. yeah, so those are the really the two places. But during the search, they actually pull up floorboards. They actually take out part of the wall. I mean, so they do a pretty thorough search of this property. We finally so. have cops doing their jobs in this one, guys. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, just There's for a, a moment. There's a lot of police involved. Some of them did. Some of them maybe not so much. So Rufus <laughs> B. Hilliard, who is a police officer <laughs> who was present at the murder, but not when Lizzie had what's going to be the famous blue dress was on. They request Lizzie provide them with a dress, with the dress that she was wearing the morning of the murder. She tells her lawyer, Mr. Jennings, where he would find that. And he provides this to Rufus Hilliard and the doctor, the lawyer, and Rufus all look over the material. Now, at this point, the doctor does not say, wait a second, this isn't the dress you were wearing. And this is very important to remember because this dress is going to become a huge controversy in this trial, what actually happened with this dress. So at any rate, <clears throat> the mayor then arrives. And what the mayor says to Lizzie and Emma and John Morse is also living at the house at the time is that nobody should be leaving the house at all for the safety of everyone involved. Now, Lizzie takes immediate exception to that. Like, what do you mean I can't even leave my house? You know, am I a prisoner? Am I a suspect? And the mayor then says, yes, you are a suspect. Now, there's a lot of different accounts as to how he broke this news to her. Some say he was very diplomatic about it, but others said he was actually kind of gleeful to tell her this. You know, like I heard that he was Irish too, and that he knew that they didn't like him. Yeah, he was Irish. He knew right. they didn't like him. His name is Coughlin, Mayor Coughlin. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, Why wouldn't people like Irish? So the Bordens you were ever met an Irishman. Well, I'm, I'm married to an Irish You're woman. Irish. So. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. <laughs> well aware. Well aware. So. Uh, oh yeah, but, Dave. Maybe you should recap that. Yeah. So to recap, the Bordens are 
English uh, Protestants. And in the city of Fall River, of course, there are a lot of Irish Catholics. Now, English Protestants and Irish Catholics had a history going way back, and this came overseas. And there was definitely a lot of friction between these groups, especially in the city of Fall River. And there's a lot of different immigrant immigrants in Fall River, but it's mostly Irish Catholics and Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. 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 It's my kind. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it is your kind. Yeah. So the British didn't like them my either. <laughs> should, should we stop and label our kinds? <laughs> I would like to say what I am. So The other point that I think that was important is, I don't know if you heard this last week, Steve, is that Lizzie actually went to go get her doctor instead of going to the doctor of a different Portuguese descent doctor. right yeah. behind her. Yeah, I heard that part. Yeah. And yeah. also their Irish maid, they called her Maggie, but that was not even close to what her name was. They just didn't want to have to. Yeah, they were didn't want to have to learn a they new name. <laughs> yep. Should try that on Christina. Come <laughs> <laughs> here, Maggie. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't want to live like a monk. <laughs> So after being told she's a suspect, Lizzie is then told that there's going to be an inquest held on Wednesday, nearly a week after the murder, and that she'll be expected to testify. Now, for those who don't know what an inquest actually is, it's a legal proceeding that would be normally presided over by a judge to determine if a crime has taken place. Now, obviously, if you looked at the crime scene photographs, this is actually not really a mystery. Did a crime possibly happen here? So you might be wondering, why are they holding an inquest? And the reality is, we'll learn this later, but I'll mention it now, is that there's actually already a warrant for Lizzie Borden's arrest. So why would they even have Ooh, a... Is? Yes, this is one of the wow. reasons that the inquest testimony will eventually be excluded at trial, and that was part of the reason. Dave, is an inquest like a grand... What do they call it? A grand, grand jury? jury? No, it's not. It's no. just presided over by a judge, and the judge basically decides whether or not a crime has taken place, and that's called an inquest. And usually... How popular are these? Really quick before you move on. Yeah, did they do how, them? How often do they do them? So in cases like a murder, for example, we've had a lot of where we've talked about the police have decided it's not a murder, right? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes there'll be a question of whether or not something is a, was a murder, whether or not it warrants criminal investigation. Back then, they were probably more common because people could die of more natural reasons. But you couldn't do that advanced of an autopsy like we can today. Like we right. can mm -hmm. actually say... We know how this person died. And you also have fires back then, and fires could have obviously been accidentally lit. In. They used a lot of lamps that had kerosene or whatever. They but they could over be a lot of things, arson. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you'd have inquests on those. So they were more common back then, but it seemed like, and this is mentioned in uh, Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, the theory that they present, which I tend to think is accurate, is that they wanted to get Lizzie on the stand so Knowlton could pressure her and possibly get her to maybe confess. That makes sense. Or really slip up to the point where we've got her. Um, Do they have the point where she doesn't have to testify at this point? Like what? So, I forget what year that came into play. So in 18, well, yeah, and this is actually going to come up in the trial because they try and present what she testified to at the trial, and it will eventually get excluded. Mm. So because Lizzie will also ask for her lawyer, Mr. Jennings, to be present during her testimony, and the judge Bladesdale says, no, this is just an inquest. You're a witness. 
you're not a suspect, basically. Of course, she's already been told she's a suspect. His testimony isn't going to be available at the trial. It is available to us nowadays, and you can actually read Lizzie's full account. But there is one caveat I'd like to mention to people who do download the testimony, is that the inquest is written in two volumes. The first volume was accidentally misplaced somehow. So Lizzie's first part of her testimony was actually recreated by witnesses that saw it. So there is a possibility of some inaccuracies in the first part oh, up until you get into the second part of the inquest testimony. That's a huge caveat for me. It yeah. is. It that is. part where it's she's going, the gloves don't fit, the gloves don't fit. <laughs> right? That's exactly what it is. Like, that's a big he said, she said. And yeah, there are six people in this that. room, and we're all going to hear something different. True. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, so. It, it is very unfortunate. They also lost Bridget Sullivan's testimony, and they never even tried to recreate that. Wow. Um, that's so. Maggie for you, Steve. She's Irish. Yeah, they she's didn't Irish. shit. Okay. Yeah. They're like, fuck her. She's probably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're well, almost all Irish. <laughs> so The Irish jokes are going to be a riot in this Not one. that we're almost all drunk. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. We didn't get any food today. So On $2 we're wine. Getting there. We're going to have to order some no, $4. $4, okay. Okay, so <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about what Lizzie, because we get Lizzie's side as best we can, and everything in volume two is accurate. So the first thing Lizzie will describe is her relationship between Abby, being on relatively pleasant terms. Now, there's a funny little exchange that goes on that's quoted in many movies where Knowlton asks her, would you describe your relationship with your stepmother as being cordial? And Lizzie kind of replies with, well, I suppose that depends on what you define as cordiality. Mm. <laughs> what is his? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, There's a lot of links to that Mon Monica yeah. Lewinsky case. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Yeah. We've linked Monica like, Lewinsky yeah. twice to Borden. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. It makes yeah. me want to get rid of all my blue dresses yes. in my closet. Yeah. Not really, though, because I love them. So, it was a good color for me. I can't do it. Then she <laughs> talks about her relationship with her father, and she admits he's a complicated man. But she says she loves him like all daughters, she says, should love their father. That's right. And she <laughs> then talks about the discussion with Alice Russell. Now, when Alice Russell, of course, just before the murder, Lizzie had gone over to one of her friend's houses. And she had told that friend that she was very concerned that something terrible was going to happen to the family. She was even actually concerned that somebody was trying to poison their milk. She described a dispute that she says she overheard Mr. Borden have with what sounds like a potential... Uh, renter. And what's basically going on is Mr. Borden's telling him, you know, I will not rent to you, period, this and that. And the guy's very angry with Mr. Borden. Mr. Borden tells him to leave, and he basically tells him he's already spent more time in his life around the presence of Mr. Borden than he could ever care to. And so Lizzie says to Alice that she's very concerned about Mr. Borden, especially his well-being. Yeah, we did talk last week about how Mr. Borden's a bit of a douche canoe, right? Yeah, and he, he definitely is known for, especially with 
hiring immigrants, kind of pulling the Trump practice of saying, well, political again for two didn't (laughs) do exactly the job exactly the way I wanted to. So I'm not going to pay you. In fact, we'll learn when he gets his house painted that he actually told the house painter that if Lizzie hadn't approved the shade of the paint and he paints the house, he's not going to pay him. So he actually said that to one of the people painting the house. So, Davey, this one of the things I got out of the inquest, Knowlton and Lizzie, that back and forth was really something else. I mean, that was loaded with tension. Yes. Yeah. It, it was like, you know, cat and mouse and cat and mouse. Yeah, and Lizzie's going to contradict herself quite a few times. And Knowlton is, you know, Knowlton is a trained prosecutor he is very good at trying to you know get you to kind of slip up basically and so he he and lizzie do go back and forth and lizzie does have a few slip ups at one point lizzie tries to what did she try she tries to say that she was in the kitchen when the murder when mr borden arrived home and later, she puts herself upstairs when Mr. Borden arrived home. Right. And then when Knowlton points this out to her, she gets pretty defensive, saying, you know what, I've been asked so many questions, I don't know which way is I up. I do right think that's now. actually true. That happens a lot. Well, and she was also on morphine, and I guess we didn't mention this right now. Since yeah, why, why was she on morphine? So since the death of her parents, her doctor, Seabury Bowen, rather, has prescribed her originally eight grains of morphine twice a day, but that wasn't keeping her anxiety low enough, so he doubles the dose to 16 grains. So she is pretty high mm. on morphine when she's testifying, and morphine does cause confusion. High is um, good. Apparently it also mine. really helps anxiety, though. So mm. there you go. That's what they thought. Good to know. They gave Who knew that morphine everybody? was good for that, though? Like, I was on morphine once, and man, I literally, I think I talked to the nurse twice about, like, how they should like give you this stuff on a regular basis. <laughs> I remember being like, is this something I can bring home? Because I'm in a ton of pain. Like you're watching your, oh, it was when I was pregnant. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're watching it and you're going, oh, I'm in so much pain. This is so awesome. Oh, when you were in labor, you mean? Yep. Oh. They yeah. give morphine when you're in Oh, back, back in the day. Back days. in the day. Oh, like, okay. This is not day, allowed Stevie. anymore. But, like, <laughs> which, which child was that? Michael. Oh, that freaks. No. <laughs> both her kids are normal. Explains a lot. I was going to say, both their kids are high. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, very existential. So this is... <laughs> I have friends that had their did drugs the whole time, and their kids are great. So yeah. you know, life is. But I think that that I don't know that I could have done anything like or mm-hmm. testified. Definitely, that's like the first question they ask you: Are you on any medication? Or like they should have stopped questioning her once she was on that. Exactly, they really should have. And you know, the thing is, is that when you read through the testimony, what you are, you are going to find that at times she is confused, but you're also going to notice that. You know, like I mentioned, Knowlton is trained to catch people on just any minor trivial inconsistency and then kind of just berate them on it. Well, like most DAs, he's an asshole. Right. <laughs> Let's just put it right there on the yeah. table. But also, like, 
you know, they didn't have a lot of respect for women back then. So no, if she not. was confused, they would have just been like, oh, is that idiot? She's Dumb being woman. confused again, right? Yeah. Better on the head and ask her the same question. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And, the and especially other... a woman like her who was reading and mm -hmm. bucking the system. Yeah. And the other thing is if you look at testimony of, because I've read through everyone's testimony in all the proceedings, including the trials, police officers, doctors, they all get confused at times on what they said before. So it's not just Lizzie who occasionally gets a detail backwards from what she had said before. There's plenty of people who get details backwards when they're testifying. It's the game of telephone, right? Yeah. Like if I say something to you, by the time it gets back to me, it may not be the same thing. Well, not just that. I mean, I barely remember what I did yesterday. Exactly. And, and I wasn't on morphine. <laughs> they're asking her, oh, you know, if I only what was. did you have for breakfast? You know, on the morning that your parents, you, in the afternoon, you find your Parents have been bludgeoned to death. Yeah, how many cookies did you eat that morning? It's like it might not be the first thing you remember. <laughs> the most important detail of the day. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, fucking know. So. They were cookies. Yeah. They're yeah. delicious. Plus, so. you must be suffering bag, some kind of alone. like shock and trauma too. If you found your oh yeah, because she her dad. You guys, you said last week his eye was like hanging out of the. Seat. Yes, it was on his cheek. Very yeah, yeah. One, one eyeball was on his cheek. Mm. And anybody that's been involved in any trauma, you almost like. Or outside yourself sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You couldn't even see the poor man's face. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get that. That grossed me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have a picture we can show? <laughs> yeah. Did you hear my story about my husband? Yes, just yes, hearing you describe it. <laughs> but there is there is an importance of the question of whether or not she was in the kitchen when her father arrived, and the reason for this is that Bridget Sullivan testified that she was having difficulty opening the door when Andrew came in, and she said, Pashwa! Oh, that's and, right. And she hears somebody laugh. And she believed that laugh came from upstairs, and she believed it to be Lizzie. Now, the interesting thing here, there's a couple points. She says she only believed that to be Lizzie. Well, if you've ever been inside that house, that stairway is not actually huge. So I have a hard time imagining how she could have turned around after she had opened the door and not seen who was there. So it's interesting that she doesn't say, well, I'm certain it was Lizzie. Because you're talking maybe 12-foot staircase. And you there. said no hallways. <clears throat> there was no hallways, no. Lizzie could have walked back into a room, presumably. Yep. But is that house still standing? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. We went last week. Oh, did you? Maybe, yeah. So. yeah, we went to it. Matter of fact, Greg and I both almost fell down those stairs <laughs> we're talking about. Both yeah. of us did. Wow. Yeah, you totally should go. Mm. Check it out. Mm. Now, so the theory that she could have seen the body and been laughing has also been mentioned, that Lizzie was actually looking at Mrs. Borden's body and got a few yucks <laughs> out of it. Who knows? But Lizzie puts herself most of the time in the kitchen when Andrew arrived. And <clears throat> then... The prosecutor is going to question her at large length about her trip to the barn. Now, the prosecutor actually makes what I consider a blunder here because Lizzie had originally told the police that she was there 20 to 30 minutes. The prosecutor's actually arguing to Lizzie that actually that doesn't sound like you were there for 20, 30 minutes. You just ate three pears and were looking in a box for uh, lead to possibly make sinkers. Now, this actually would actually help Lizzie because mm -hmm. when you really look at the time window of Mr. Borden's death, it really isn't 20 minutes. It's really more like 5 15, or 10. Yeah. 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 So it's actually 
in a way, a blunder for him to be arguing you were in there less time. Mm, but I think I remember from last week, I thought that whole barn story was weird, too. Like, one, who the fuck eats three pears in one sitting? Like, that's a lot, right? But two, she said that she heard some kind of commotion all the way from the second floor of the barn into the house. And she didn't say the commotion was, like, screaming. Because if he was, by the way, if he was, like, really asleep... One hatchet to the brain yep. should be enough to make sure he's not screaming out loud, right? So whatever commotion she heard, like, I mean, what did she said she, she heard a moan. But, um, but I, I get your yeah, point, though. Yeah. That's a good right? point. Yeah. There, is, yeah. there is definitely a question about her story about going to the barn. There, however, a lot will come out into the trial. There was potentially a witness. Back in the day, there's not much insulation either, so um, you could hear things. Even when you're outside, you can hear what's going on. And it's not that long of a distance, but yeah, I mean, it it is weird that she could have heard Andrew do anything unless what she heard was potentially the killer escaping. And the maid didn't. Right, the maid who was in the house. She was in the, in the house, house upstairs. Yeah, upstairs. yeah. 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 she was closer, and she didn't hear anything. anything. Although the maid claimed she heard the clock strike eleven. Yeah. Right, but didn't hear. So she was That's awake. Right. She was yeah. awake. Right. Heard the At clock 11. strike eleven, but could not hear. But are you really awake? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, Andrew may not have been killed with the first blow, so it's possible he woke up in pain and then died mm-hmm. at the next shot. True. True. I mean. True. Yeah, so, I mean, it's also possible what she heard wasn't the assault. She could have, one of the things we'll talk about a a little bit more, how would a killer have gotten out of the house? Getting in, we'll find out, wouldn't be that tricky, but getting out might have been a little hard. The killer may have escaped out the window. That would be one possibility, and what she actually heard was when he hit the ground, he went, oh, like that. So that's possible. That would make more sense. What she might have heard, but we don't know. Lizzie is also questioned about purchasing or an attempt to purchase prussic acid. So Eli Benz, a pharmacist at a um, pharmacy that's kind of in a little bit of a rundown part of Fall River that Lizzie would not normally. What? Have There's a to. rundown area of Fall River? <laughs> what? Fuck you! Where is this? Fall River? I have never seen it. Was was it the north side of it or the east side? So how about every side? <laughs> so anyways, in a part of Fall River where Lizzie's not believed to frequent, he says he's a pharmacist and that a woman came in. Asking for prussic acid, which is a type of poison, it's basically, I believe, cyanide, and she wanted to use it to put it on her sealskin cape so that moss would die if they landed on it, basically. Which I guess that would work. But, mm. um, I was going to say, is there like a study that says this happens? Well, so, like, yeah, can this we prove was, this? Uh, this was a theory that was actually asked about at trial to several people. Like, has her this ever been Her dad gave her that cape after the trip to Europe. So, that, yeah. yeah. How to kill moths. And it but was yet... a very fancy dancy kind of. Mm. But at any rate, Lizzie denies having been to the pharmacy. She denies having ever met Mr. Bentz prior to the night of the murder when he was actually brought to her house to identify her as indeed the person. It's also worth noting that it was known that Fall River had actually done a sting. 
at that time, the Fall River Police Department was having a person who looked very similar to Lizzie actually attempt to purchase prusic acid. So it is possible uh, that she was not the person. Uh, yeah, and eyewitnesses are always not necessarily, especially before the credit card time. Mm-hmm. If you can't prove that Jill Markley bought that, I'm a little skeptical because mm-hmm. doppelgangers and like yep. when you're a staff member, you see how many people in a day. Like, yeah, yeah that, that looks like the girl. Yeah. Like, and he will later claim he knew her, but it's not clear as to how he could have possibly have known her. You know, she doesn't go to that area. And by his own admission, his own account, she'd never been into the store. She'd never done any business with him, but somehow he's seen her many times, and they and many people have told him that that was Lizzie Borden. It doesn't make sense what he's even saying. Is this the same shopkeeper you brought up before that was um, interesting? Yeah, that wanted to keep notoriety around. Yeah, yeah. is it the same guy? That's he, what I kind of was... seems to yeah. really enjoy the yeah. celebrity. It's of probably good for sales. Yeah. Come visit sure. my store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was in the news. So, and several other people. Oh, Lizzie also, important note, she will describe the dress that she wore on the day of the murder. It's always a blue dress. As being some sort of India silk morning dress. Remember the fabrics for later. So we're going to talk India silk. There will be a test. There will be a test. (laughs) (laughs) So. Name that stain. We're failing. (laughs) 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 We've (laughs) already Name that stain. (laughs) Fucking awesome. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Steve. (laughs) Name that stain. (laughs) Oh, you can swear also, Steve. Okay. People like it. We got our our explicit rating. So. All right, several other people are going to testify at the inquest and at the preliminary hearing, and a lot of what they're going to cover is kind of redundant. So I'm going to kind of talk about both of the rest of these proceedings at once, so we're not kind of going over the same testimony twice. So let's look at a few key points. Uh, Several people who are close to the Borden family, Alice Russell, Dr. Bowen, Bridget Sullivan, John Morse, They're going to describe the relationships at the Borden house. And there's a couple key points. They all seem to acknowledge there's a little bit of tension between Lizzie and Abby. They also all seem to acknowledge that Emma seems to have more tension with Abby than Lizzie does. They describe Mr. Borden as being old-fashioned and maybe a little annoying to Lizzie in that regard, but they don't describe this hateful relationship between Lizzie and her father, rather very much the opposite. They describe them as being a fairly normal father and daughter, and, you know, a lot of fathers are more old-fashioned. From the time, from that time, I feel like that's an important distinction to make, because I I feel like everybody I talk to is like, her dad was super controlling. I'm like, yeah, but you're talking about the 1800s. All dads are and controlling that at that job, point. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks that's his role as a father, but he's still loving in other ways. True. Yeah, and he's actually not as controlling as it's made out to be. So even in 1892, Mr. Borden is thought of as a bit old-fashioned. He's very religious. So, I mean, yeah, he would... He, 
especially by today's standards, I don't think most daughters would enjoy a father like them. So I think we've <laughs> talked enough about her father. So Abby and Lizzie don't necessarily get along. But again, these there's a lot of exaggerations. This is really Emma who hates Abby more than I keep Lizzie. wondering when we're going to talk about Emma because she seems to be like a major front runner for me. She wasn't around. She wasn't around, but I when but I was she really not around? Yeah, she was really right? not around. But when I get into my the alternate theories, some do include her being involved. Yeah. So yeah, involved is not. That's right. That's a good point. She could have been involved. This could have been a conspiracy. She every time you say her name, I go hmm. hmm. She has a brain. better motive now, mind you. Um, one of the theories about what Lizzie's motive would be was the inheritance. But the law back then actually only gives the inheritance to the oldest remaining child. So only Emma is guaranteed to inherit a dime. Now, Emma does split the money with Lizzie, but she was the only person that was guaranteed to inherit any money from that estate. Right. That's very right. interesting. So, that is an interesting mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Could it be like a plan, like them two together? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we probably should try and move through the story. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. What do trends activate? Kid, That's what I was going to like. Dave. Yeah. So. David, what the fuck? Yeah. So, several people talk about Abby and Lizzie, and they're just not, you know, they're not on great terms, but most of them actually describe them as relatively pleasant when they do deal with each other. So it almost sounds like they kind of, they have an agreement to be good enough to each other so they can live with each other. Although, I have a question. So, like, back in those days, mm -hmm. like, that image of politeness was very important, sure. right? Like, of being cordial mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So, publicly, that's all you can speak about, right, is what yeah. was done publicly, but maybe behind closed doors, so it was Bridget a different thing. So, Bridget lives there, though, and she testifies to this as oh, well. Nobody now, cares. She's Irish. Those things. <clears throat> so, I mean... But dating one of the cop's cousins. There is... I saw that online. It was more common in those days for children to be raised by a stepmother than their mother. Because mm. so many women died in childbirth. Mm -hmm. The other point, though, is it's very hard to be a step-parent. It is. It's very, very hard. And there's always a tension in the relationships. Mm. So... Yeah. Makes sense. Thanks. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> That was very deep. <laughs> you guys, I don't yeah. know why David's Bridget so slow about telling this fucking story. Uh, <laughs> it's possible that Bridget doesn't tell the truth about what was going on in the house. Uh, and when we went to the visit the house, actually, the tour guide does mention this, and it makes sense that Bridget may not have wanted to spill any laundry about the Borden family for fear that she might not be hired by another family in the future. Yes, that great, makes sense. Great yep. point. Yeah, yeah, that's a very... Because I wondered myself why she did that. Yeah. Because I didn't think her testimony was authentic. It, it doesn't seem so. And it seems like, you know, there's a lot of things that Bridget's testimony, and we'll talk about a lot of her testimony as okay. we go along, but... There's definitely some things about Bridget's testimony that seem a little odd. And mind you that Bridget has a great interest in Lizzie being considered the killer because if Lizzie isn't the killer, then the only other person known to be in the house at the it's time her. is right. her. That's right. So. Well, that's a, a of, good point. The only research I did was last week when you said the tick bike thing. I was like, what? A flea bite? That's a flea bite. right, flea bite. I was like, okay, oh, yeah. I got to figure this out because I don't know where this came from. Yeah. 
So the only research I did in this case was based on a friggin' flea bite thing. And, uh, and that was when they, they point to her in a lot of things to Bridget. And they say, like, she was dating the lead investigator's cousin. I forget his name. Callahan? Something like that. So they were saying that she got, like, kid-gloved throughout the investigation oh. because she was dating one of the cop's cousins. So they took care of her, which makes sense to me because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, We'd especially in Irish cousins, they're like best friends. Like I know every Irish cousin's like, "Oh, it's my sister," but my cousin actually. Yeah. So it yeah. made sense to me that she was kid handled. So, so funny. Another <laughs> thing. That was the only thing that I found was that they kept pointing to her for the tea, for the flea tick bite. Like for she the, was, she was. She was the one on menstruating. No, I didn't say Lizzie. No, they were saying that that's not a thing. That menstruating or no, menstruating's a thing. That's what they to listen to part one. I assure you, that's a thing. No, that the amount of blood was not from menstruating. That it was actually Lizzie had just had a little bit of blood inside of her coat, but it would have never affected it. So they blew it off. But it's not a thing. It was just a spot. It's not a thing. We're actually going to go what they found on the dress that was. Provided. Excellent. Back up. Sorry, guys. So, cool. um, I'll shut up. I got vodka in my ears, anyways. <laughs> so, they also now the witnesses agree that a dress was provided to Rufus Rufus Hilliard. That dress was then examined by Doctor Wood, who will testify, and he will testify also about hatchets that were and axes that were found at the crime scene. And so he's already going to hurt the prosecution a little bit because he's going to say on all of these hatchets and axes that he has been provided, he does not find any blood that happens to be human. There is a broken-handled hatchet, which is going to become our famous hatchet, that has a hair on it. And this hair is located kind of halfway down the hatchet. And this hair is found to be that of a cow. It is not of a human being. Wait, so did they have cows, the Bordens? Like, I didn't, um, it, my impression wasn't that they were like farmers. It was that they were more in part of the industrial. You know, that's so, a very good point because somebody could have left that. Right, right. From their own area, right, from their own. Uh, so Mr. Borden uh, does own some farms. So, oh. And he does not like to throw anything away. So it is possible if at one of his here. farms... Uh, hatchet got broken, he would have taken it home to sell for whatever he could have sold off of. So at any rate, <laughs> Professor Wood, Dr. Per- Wood, does describe the hair to be that of a cow. He's quite certain it is not human. He bases this on the root of the hair mm-hmm. in his testimony. So we're, uh, And I would think the thickness is different. When you touch a cow, it's thicker, yeah, right? Yeah, coarser. Yeah. It's yeah. probably, yeah. I mean, I'd never put cow hair under a microscope. So no, I'm just really saying, Dave, it. when you've touched a cow, have you never pet a cow? I don't. Ooh, not like, yeah, no. ooh, this cow's so nice. Well, you know, I can't get now, it. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> can't not say just, that I have. To me? That was I'm not. <laughs> Steve. David, do you ever milk Fuck a horse? <laughs> <laughs> Gracia, I think you've been stroking cows too much. (laughs) (laughs) You touch an animal when you see it. Like, how did people get their arms cut off? Because they're like, ooh, soft lion. I'm a fucking idiot. Like, but a cow, they're not going to touch me. You're like, ooh, but wow. Like, the texture is different. It is different. Thank you. I can't attest to what it's like to pet a cow. I'm not believing that. (laughs) I have never actually 
really. It's okay. Your free time is your business, Dave. Continue. <laughs> and I actually have a related to the story question, yeah. though. Of course. Really? And that is... Give him a mic, because this is going to be oh, a good story. That mic actually works. No, it's not a story, but it's a question. Like, if I was, say, sick and going back to the time of the Lizzie or the Borden killings, mm -hmm. the last thing I would do is trust one of the doctors of the time. How much would I trust the forensic scientists of the time? Like, oh, true story. Um, Amen. They, so they didn't even know about fingerprints, really. They weren't using fingerprints yeah, they in Fall River. Yeah, they didn't use fingerprints. They still don't in Fall River. It's um, Fall River. As far as being able to... <laughs> There's no fingerprints. Germ theory didn't even come in until the 1880s, and it really wasn't common knowledge even among medical people. So... There's still a lot of debate about it. Yeah, I mean, certainly this was not, they weren't, you know, what you see in CSI nowadays. But as far as being able to identify what's blood and what is not, I think that they were capable of that. I think that being able to put different types of hairs under the microscope and see if they're the same type, I think they're capable of that. So, you know, obviously they're not you know, experts on everything like Dad mentioned, fingerprints don't exist. There's no... They weren't but here, there's yet. a certain thickness to it, too. They also believed, in fact, at one point, when they were trying to catch uh, Jack the Ripper, they believed that your eyes would actually burn impressions yes. in what you last saw before you <clears> died. <throat> so some of the victims of Jack the Ripper had their eyes actually examined. No, shit. That's, That's funny. That's crazy. I've never true. heard that. Very so. true. Yeah, so there was I a mean, whole science around it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's and, awesome. I know, never knew that. Guy was killing rabbits and taking pictures of their eyes just before they. And hmm. anyway, I'm I'm not kidding. Yeah, Jack the Ripper. Wow. No, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. It's just a, a crazy thing that I never heard. And mm -hmm. do you know that Garfield actually died not as a result of being shot? It was because he hated Mondays. Well. Lasagna. You beat me to it. <laughs> He died because the doctors that were trying to find the bullet, first they're using a metal detector and they have him on a metal. Oh, bed. I heard this. And yeah. they were poking him with a scalpel and they kept dropping the scalpel on the floor and then not cleaning it and poking him. <laughs> Didn't we learn that on our DC tour? Yes. I feel like that's and, where we learned yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, so and he he actually ends up dying from an infection because of and they actually think what the bullet trip. only grazed him. Yeah. So but they had him on a metal bed there using a metal detector. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh maybe it's here. <laughs> What a great trip. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. So, yeah, you learn these. these yep. George Washington had the strep throat. Yeah. But after his doctors bled him, blistered him, and put leeches on him, he died. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Well, yeah. we did the best we could. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, Bucking continue, Dave. God, we're going to be here. <laughs> so, anyways, there's also going to be some testimony involving the stomach contents of the victims. Mm, and the mutton. And Abby. Also, to answer the question, how accurate were they in setting these time frames yes. on the stomach contents? And I've tried to look this up and get some good research. They're actually pretty close to yeah. what yeah. they should have, what we would now in modern science be able to tell you about stomach contents based on times of death. Yeah, um, the food now, was not moved from the upper to the lower to the, yeah, this is in, what I read. In Abby, yeah. In yeah. Abby, the food is only in her, starting to go into her small intestine. Right. In Andrew, 
almost all the food has exited, giving you about an hour and a half to two hours between the time in which So whoever died. did it had to be in that house. He kills Abby, he or she. Mm-hmm. They have to be in that house 90 minutes? At least. At or least. they left and came back. Okay. So, I gotcha. I, Don does not believe the left and came back. He's like, mm. It's interesting. I, I could give you a well. What there's some we'll good hiding spots the, there, though. I there feel. is. There's. I know. I noticed a few. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, right? <laughs> we'll get. No, and if you in case this toy goes crazy, guy, I'm you know, going hiding. I, we come in the front door, and there's a closet right next to the freaking front door. And I said, <laughs> "Was that there then?" And he didn't want me to talk about it. He goes, "I'll cover that later." Yeah, it's a cover up. And he mm-hmm. never covered it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're so trying to hide the truth. It would be easy to evade somebody inside of that house because of the way the rooms are set up. You could easily evade people, if they, especially if they don't know that they're looking for you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's even more so because there's no hallway. Like, you can easily transition around the rooms, and there's no clear view in between the rooms. There's, I mean... They were either in there for at least an hour and a half after they committed the first murder and waited till Andrew came, or they left and came back. So there's two possibilities. An hour and a half. Is he making and a sandwich? He's got to be hungry. That's well, a pretty he's ballsy waiting. murderer. So, well, right? But Andrew like the Night Stalker Borden, was like that. The Night Stalker was there for like five hours. If Andrew Borden is the target, you're probably getting in there when you can get into the house. We'll talk right. about that. And if he's your target, you're going to wait for him anyways. You probably don't expect Abby to be in the... Possibly don't expect Abby to be in the guest room. And she just happens to be in there. So you got to kill her. But you intended to wait there anyway, so you're going to wait. You know, I mean, you've already <laughs> done that. Do true so story. Might as well. Think of this. Think of this. See, this is where... This case throws me back and forth. So all the number of cuts in Abby... It's one thing, hey, I discovered somebody in the house who's going to get in the way of the murder I'm planning to do. All right, I'm going to kill her. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to chop her head off all up and saute her. But she could ruin your plan. Yeah, I get that that's usually like a crime of passion that's a crime. where you hit somebody that many or times. But what if adrenaline kicks in? Yeah. And it's like, like your panic. first She's murder. Ruin my, cl- my plan. Yeah. Plan. yeah. Let me think back on my first murder. <laughs> Um, there are plenty of... I had butterflies in the stomach kind of thing. You Did know, you but... eat a Butterfinger to slow those down? There are plenty of cases where robberies have gone wrong and been very, very horrible very crimes. Yeah. Because they so... end up with like that adrenaline, that panic, yes. right? The Truman Capote, the in yeah. cold blood. That's, that's the right. same thing. So, that yeah. like Brutal. But anyways, we'll get into alternate theories um, Excellent. as we move through this but probably take us too far to, too long to get through <laughs> everything else if we stay on the alternate theories now so then we have a few people describing strange individuals around the time of the murder now this is going to come up more in the trial so i'm going to just say that there were some strange people seen at the time of the crime on second street and we don't know who they really would have been, but there was just this testimony. Because in the preliminary hearing, the defense is allowed to present witnesses. Mm-hmm. So now this is not true in the inquest, so that was one of the differences. Another thing we find out is that there is a malfunction in the front door. That if you do not push the board in front door shut all the way, the spring lock wouldn't catch. So... 
Now, of course, based on what Bridget says, the two upper locks were also engaged when she when Andrew came home. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they were engaged all day. We also find out that the back screen door may have actually been uh, left unlocked for well over an hour. So we're talking about three doors. Basically. Yeah, Okay. basically, yeah. So the front door would be the entrance that would be hardest to sneak into because it's in perfect view of the street. But, of course, if you're somebody who might be normally seen there, that wouldn't be too hard. You can throw that out. But then there's the, there's the entrance... Uh, and it's kind of on the side almost of the house. And there's a screen door there, and there was a way to look. Excuse me, a way to lock it. <laughs> there is a way to lock it. He just it. threw up all over the <laughs> But good luck. That's what Craig. happens when you don't drink the booze? Yeah. <laughs> so there is a way to lock it. But so when Bridget goes out, she's going out to wash windows. Right. Now when Bridget goes out. She doesn't lock it, and Lizzie comes out a few minutes after and asks Bridget if she's doing the windows, and Bridget says to Lizzie, yeah, I'm going to be out here, so you don't have to lock the door if you don't the want to. What do you to. think I'm doing out here? Yeah, yeah so. I can so, literally imagine this conversation not being as polite as you're saying. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, well. Maggie going. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Her name wasn't I Maggie, Dad. No idea, but. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, at any rate, Maggie tells Lizzie that... <laughs> She doesn't have to lock the door because Maggie's going to be outside. Yeah, basically. Please don't lock me out of yeah. this wonderful house. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to be trapped in. Can't wait to these <laughs> windows. While the three I'm entrances thing. Yeah, because she off. was really sick was too, really right? Sick. And they she were was... like, mm, "No yeah. breaks for you." Yeah, she's really get to sick ironing, before bitch. she gets to the um, <laughs> to the washing of the windows. She spends uh, some time throwing up. Oh, it's, so. sorry, Liz, like Lizzie was ironing. <laughs> Fuck, I, forgot, I messed that up. Oh, that's Lizzie why you was did ironing. that. So, basically, that kind of covers what we have so far. And when you, if you were to read, word for word, the inquest and the preliminary hearing, what you will find, I think, is what I found. The state doesn't have much of a case here. Right. This right. is not very compelling. It sounds a lot of circumstantial. It's, it's circumstantial, and the circumstances... Really, the their case is really going to hinge on she's the only person that could have done it, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing. That Definitely not really beyond a reasonable have. doubt. Yeah. yeah. So what's the standard um, for murder? Is it beyond a reasonable doubt? Beyond yes. reasonable doubt to a I moral thought so. Cert- and to, to a, a moral, moral certainty. Well, right. when you're a black man in the South, it's just beyond. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> if you're black, literally. it's already out the door. That's just. Well, what about no back theory. then, though, with women? Was it like being black so today? Women, Actually, no, it would go the other It's probably worse. It was opposite. So. Yep. It was something that they will spend a lot of tri- time at the trial trying to prove that, oh, yeah, Lizzie would have been strong enough to do this. Now, really, there's no question. If you had a hatchet, if you were a female at 5'3", about 130, you could have done the smarter Totally. Physically. Yeah, I mean... Adrenaline you know, kicks in in everything. Yeah. You can't... Even if without adrenaline. I mean, it's like, you know... But in those days, they didn't think women were capable yeah. of this kind of a crime. So, We can put what? this to a test. How many women in the room are about 130 or less here? Fuck off, Dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst thing. What? Don, how many men in the room are 250 or less? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. Way to, way to lose the room. <laughs> so whatever happened to Lizzie... So, okay, what happens to Lizzie? 
What? <laughs> <laughs> she has died since. <laughs> no, like... <laughs> She's no longer with us, Steve. At, at the time She's of the investigation... Well. Okay. So, yeah. She has three kids. So Steve is asking actually a very good question. So Thank you. After oh, yeah, say that. <laughs> yeah, that was such a good question. <laughs> what happens as a result of these hearings? Well, Lizzie gets arrested. She was actually arrested right after the inquest. The preliminary hearing is basically a hearing in which they decide whether or not something is going to a grand jury. No, in the, in the, I'm sorry, David, in the United States, because I've had a preliminary hearing myself, they can only hold you, supposedly can only hold you for so long without a preliminary hearing, yes. which basically says, do we really have something here enough to hold somebody? Yes, and it's basically done in this case to say, does this case go forward, does she go to before the grand jury at this point? Right, or and, could, could bail or go home yeah. or wait trial, yeah. So we haven't had enough of this. She is found to be probably guilty after the preliminary hearing, and so the grand she's going to be held without bail, and the grand jury will convene in November. Right. And now to give people a point, grand jury testimony is never released to the public, even hundreds of years later. So grand jury testimony is not released to the public. However. Grand jury testimony or grand jury story is pretty well known what was going on. So the prosecution presents its case before a grand jury this time. And the grand jury gets to hear basically the same as we heard in the inquest and the preliminary hearing. And they're ready to tell Lizzie Borden to go home <laughs> because they are not convinced that there's any probable cause. Makes sense. This is when we find out the prosecution has this white knight appear. And that's Alice Russell, a great friend of Lizzie and Emma's. And she's going to tell us that Lizzie, on Sunday, burned a dress. Uh, oh, yeah. Then now this was in that movie that Dad doesn't like. Yeah, it was. Well, she there burned were other dress. movies that however, I did like. However, now, in the movie that Dad doesn't like, this is actually funny because this is what they say happened with the dress. So they have actually they show Lizzie having the fight with Knowlton and Knowlton says, you need to produce this dress. And Lizzie says, I'll bring it by tomorrow. And then that night, Emma comes out and Lizzie is got a fire going. And Emma says, Lizzie, what on earth are you doing? She's like, I'm burning the dress. And yeah. Never it in the dress. That is absolutely not what happened what is the state's position what is the defense's position on the dress okay so the state's position is lizzie gave us the wrong dress and then burned the one she was really using on the time of the murder that's basically their position the defense's position is no i gave you the right dress and we burned a totally different one so Wait there a was a dress a burned. Yeah. There was so a there dress was... burned. We, they acknowledge that. There was a dress burned. Well, well that's fishy. Well, yeah, why, why would you would burn, you burn your... a dress? Yeah. So we'll get to that. <laughs> why did she burn the dress? So the dress is a Bedford cord. It is stained with paint. And when Lizzie, this is a little bit moving ahead to trial testimony, but I'm going to talk about it now. Yeah, you better. So what Emma says you is that... staring at you. 
after the police were doing their search on Saturday, of course, they're looking through all the clothes and throwing all the clothes around. Emma was hanging back up clothes, and she finds Lizzie's bedford cord, which had been damaged with paint. Wait, can I just ask one question? Is a bedford cord like a Versace or like a gap? Like, how do you... So bedford you know? cord, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Bedford cord is a type of corduroy that oh. is popular. Oh. None of them. Corduroy. So, yeah, it's a cheap bedford cord. Morning. So like a Walmart that gets burned, <laughs> which would flame it up. It was easily. actually a Walmart made by a lady. We'll talk about how the Bedford cord <laughs> even got made. We'll we'll okay. get the whole okay. story behind the Bedford cord. Clothes, the clothes are the important part too, because this is so. why I would never commit murder because I would not want someone throwing my clothes around. So after, so okay, so. After Lizzie, uh, after the search of the house, Emma's putting away clothes. She's finding, she comes across the Bedford cord. It has paint on it. We'll explain how this happened in a few minutes. But she says to Lizzie, what are you going to do with this? And Lizzie at that time says, and not really sure, but I should probably dispose of it. So the next morning after breakfast, they're kind of going through all their stuff. And Lizzie has the cord. And Alice enters the room. They're all in the kitchen now. It's Emma, Lizzie, and Alice. And Emma says, basically, well, Lizzie, you should probably burn it. This according to Emma. Emma told Lizzie she should burn it. Now, burning the dress makes some sense back in those days because just leave, like, you didn't have, like, trash pickup. There was... There was some fees. So they often did burn things that they were trying to dispose of. So this is not entirely, I'll get to you in one second. This is not entirely, this is not entirely out of the ordinary. It's not common, but it's not entirely out of the ordinary. So Lizzie throws the dress into the fire. And that's basically what they say about the Bedford Cord. Now, Steve, did you have a question? Yes. Now, was Emma and Lin Lizzie the same size? Actually, oh. <laughs> it's uh, a whale and a porpoise the same size. Well, you know, if if, if 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 Emma's suggesting to burn it, then maybe she wore the dress. Oh. Oh well, Emma Look was in Fairhaven during the time of the murder. Yeah. Murder, but you know, I, I, Emma was taller than Lizzie. There were three witnesses to this burning. Correct. So there is Emma, there is Lizzie, and there is Alice Russell. Right. All now, watching this. Yes, yep. there are many police coming in and out of the house at their leisure. So this was not done like secretly. Well, can I ask a question? So like I'm of this idea that so they have somebody a maid to like wash their windows and shit, right? Mm -hmm. and all their cleaning. Why would Lizzie have been painting? Like, wouldn't they have hired so a Lizzie, painter? They did hire a painter. Jill is asking, how did paint supposedly get onto the Bedford court? So apparently, and as I mentioned earlier, Lizzie was responsible when Mr. Borden was having his house painted, not only to approve of the paint, but she was also, they had a dressmaker, her, Abby, Emma, they're all making dresses. And so this is when the Bedford cord gets made. So when Lizzie finishes with the cord, what the story basically is, is she puts on the cord, she goes out to show it to Emma, and she must have brushed up on the side of the house and gotten a little paint on is it. she's stupid? Well, I don't know. Did she walk a... into the house? <laughs> she's a rocket scientist. But... <laughs> I've done um, it before. 
Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love Steve. I knew like, that was coming. If you're not really like, remembering that they just painted the house, I could see somebody brushing up because against she's a David, moron? What, what was the time lapse between yeah. when this happened and when it, she burned Yes, it? in May. That was in May. So now... So she waits until... Until August. August. Months uh, later? Months later yes. to burn a suspicious... Mm. So what the story they give is that you know, it's a morning dress. So Lizzie's just kind of wearing it when she's doing chores and whatnot. And then when is anyone the, picturing a corduroy dress, like this sounds fucking horrible. Yeah. What does this dress yeah. look like? So because you wouldn't is, wear it in the summer. That's the thing, right? Is you wouldn't wear a corduroy dress in the summer. It's either. It'd be hot. too hot. Exactly. So there's no evidence that she was actually wearing it. So we we'll get to that, but. I um, don't think so. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get to that. Well, I so mean, it just doesn't make sense because like, you wouldn't wear corduroy in August. It no, you nice. wouldn't. Too hot. Yeah. You wouldn't. You Agreed. wouldn't. You would not have. She would not likely have been wearing corduroy, Bedford cord, Although, which is a type of corduroy. If you want to Google it, you can kind of. We could probably I know show it. it. Yeah. Although, also, I'd like to point out, as someone with a closet that I change out seasonally, you also don't change your closet out in August. You change it out in like. May for the summer. Yeah. You change it out in like September and for they the fall. Weren't really necessarily you know? intending to change out their closet. What happened was the police were searching the house and they were taking all the clothes and examining them and just kind of leaving them. So it wasn't like they were deliberately changing out anything. It was that the police had basically left all the clothes around. Uh, They're putting them we away. We might as well go through this. And time so, to have a yard sale. Yeah. Oh, it's, that makes sense. So yeah. it, it it's does. not. It's not altogether impossible. So the idea was that she was originally keeping the dress around because she would use it like doing certain types of chores that might make you pretty dirty as a morning dress. So it'd be great if somebody so. could come forth and testify to that. Oh yeah, I saw Lizzie in that. Yeah. Here's grab. the thing. Well, there are people that will testify that Lizzie was at times seen in the Bedford court. Oh, all right. So. But if this had been what she wore during the murder, it would have been soaked in blood. The police saw it. So and so yeah, exactly. As they don't even to have Craig's point. Mm -hmm. Everybody there. There's 12 different people who saw the dress that she wore on the murder, hmm. on the day of the murder. So, And all of them agreed that there was no blood on the dress. Can I ask one more question? Is this like a dress that you would need help putting on? Because back in those days, women needed help putting on quite a few pieces of their so outfit. So no, right? this was, and I call it a dress. It was actually a separate skirt, waist kind of thing that she like was a day wearing. gown yeah it was like thing. yeah that changes everything so yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's like the dress steve's wear could you demo for us yes. <laughs> so at it's any like rate yeah it, it was one it was a skirt and it was only the skirt skirt portion that was actually we know of that well was burned, and but. then the outfit that she had on later in the day was that an outfit that somebody would have had to help her with Put on. I you know? don't know because I've never worn one myself. <laughs> well, no, I mean, sure. But actually, that would be an important piece of evidence is if somebody right. had to help her change at like 11 30. Mm. Like, was the blue dress like a work dress and then she changed the blue to an dress afternoon was dress? Described as a morning dress. So, morning. That which would usually be means like, like around the house. Dress, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cooking, so. yeah. cleaning. Yeah. She was doing the ironing, Steve. That yeah, was her job. She was for the doing day. the ironing that morning. So, she was wearing some sort of, con well, we'll get into what other people describe the dress as, because I think it's also mm. important to understand something here. 
Alice Russell looked at the burn dress for maybe 30 seconds and knew that it was a Bedford cord. She observed Lizzie wearing the dress she was wearing on the murder for several, for at least two hours. She doesn't know what kind of dress it was. Oh, She has no recollection of it. So the, now Emma would not have known whether or not it was the dress that Lizzie was wearing when the bodies were discovered because Emma doesn't come home till much later. Right. So Alice is the only person that would testify at this point to, you know, was what what the dress she was wearing was. So mm-hmm. Emma's over in Fairhaven. She doesn't come home till later in the afternoon. Lizzie puts on a different dress. Supposedly Churchill suggested it to her. She never testified that she assisted, but it sounds like when Lizzie went into Lizzie's room for several hours, she's in her room. The girl, the women are always in there with her. So whether they assisted her putting on the dress or not, they were present when she took off her clothes and put on the dress, it's, it would seem. Well, I mean, um, then they, the reason why I asked is because then they would know if she was wearing a, a dress that was covered in blood or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that was used to murder two people because you have to think that there'd be some kind of so evidence. With an axe. They would be yeah. backsplattered. They would be a lot of blood. Yeah, and on her, is, like, face and stuff. Right. There is no way that she would have had that dress on while she, it, it, let's assume she was the killer. There is no way she could have had that dress on if it's blue cord, killed somebody, it and absorbed. cleaned the blood off. Because the blood would have absorbed, and exactly. there would have been a significant mm-hmm. amount Maybe she of painted blood. the blood off. A question, for the, <laughs> a question for the ladies. You get blood in your hair. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to get it out? How the fuck would we know, Dad? <laughs> well, this is a point your mother actually made, and I will certainly pass that on to her. The last <laughs> she's more likely if to know. If there's a by blood the way. splatter and it gets in your hair, it would take quite a bit Why of time to get it out. Why is there blood in my hair? <laughs> and you know they checked. They checked old Lizzie. They did. They, they looked did. Her they over looked really well. They looked over Lizzie. The police look so at Lizzie. So it ain't just she had to get it off her clothes. Uh-uh. Well. I don't know because I've never had blood in my hair. Same. Like, I'm You're going to find out. <laughs> I'm sure I will at some point in my life. Well, no. blood is, once blood dries, actually, I know it's a cheerleading coach. Like, girls get bloody noses. <laughs> I get stuff. bloody noses. Yeah, I and it get is that. hard to get it off. But And it seeps into fabrics, like, so, right away. Exactly. After well, killing daddy, she's got 15 minutes. She does not even. have enough time because they don't even have really basic plumbing. Yeah. They're right, right. Right. No, they don't. Yeah. So you have to think Good that's point. even the whole time that he was talking about the dress, I'm like, they don't even have plumbing. They don't. How is she washing this dress before they sorry. even look at it? There's no way. Yeah, so that's There's the thing. No and way. This is the thing. Alice Russell seems Very to come point. up with this story right as the grand jury's about to toss Lizzie back to her house. Now, Alice Russell was Lizzie's friend. So there's a lot of questions about why does Alice Russell all of a sudden, because Alice Russell testified at the inquest. She testified at the preliminary hearing. She testifies first once at the grand jury. She never mentions this burning of the dress. So even it seems like Alice Russell may not be that convinced that it's anything of any significance. But at any rate, the second time Alice Russell kind of becomes a hero to the state, because Lizzie's about to go home. Now, the mayor is going to get, you talk about egg on your face. You just railroaded this woman who's the daughter of the victim of the murder. And now the grand jury's saying, you don't even have probable cause. Why did you even arrest this girl? 
So this would have been very embarrassing for him. It would have been extremely embarrassing for Hussein Knowlton and many of the police. So they need somebody to come in and rescue them, and it happens to be Alice Russell. Now, why does she do it? There's a couple theories. One is that she suspected Lizzie because Lizzie didn't tell the police right away about the big fight that she overheard her father having with this potential renter. And Alice immediately started saying, well, just yesterday or the day before, you're telling me that you're worried this guy's going to kill Andrew Borden. You find your dad dead, and you're not telling the police this? True story. So she seems like an opportunist, though. She is a bit of an opportunist. There's possibly. always a Cato Caitlin. That's literally what I was thinking. <laughs> Although yeah. I didn't want to like reference the OJ case again. <laughs> but but she's an opportunist. Yeah. And there's an, not yeah. only in every case. There's always somebody who's like, "Give me some limelight. Give me some yeah. limelight." Yeah, talking about sure. Alice or Liz? Alice. 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 Yeah. I feel yeah, like she's Liz, an opportunist. Lizzie doesn't want the limelight. She's getting. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. kind she's of in like, jail. She's like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Alice likes the limelight, but I'll tell you who else really liked the limelight was that pharmacist, Eli Benz. Right. He's suspicious to me. Now, there are rumors that Alice Russell had a crush on Mr. Benz. Well, that's what I was going to ask is like, maybe were they competing for men because they were both sort of spinsters at this point, right? But not beyond their birthing years, right? So. So Alice would have been in around 40 now. Steve, are you still in your birthing years? Um, Get in there. So Eli is, he is married. He's 26. That doesn't Um, always matter. It doesn't always matter. I mean, if you look at pictures of him, he's clearly a sex machine. (laughs) (laughs) What is he? I want to see a photo of him right now. Pull up the fucking picture. I'm I'm sure he looks like an Eli. (laughs) So there is a theory that, you know, seeing this sexy guy, Mr. Ben, really got her going and she uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not just white paint when the no. juices are flowing your she, brain is not thinking yeah, you're like you know what went down I to the bang pharmacy him. that was like i said it was in it was in a part of town that the russell and mm, you know fall river normally fall going river. to plus i like um, it when we refer to women as like lawnmowers <laughs> <laughs> got her going <laughs> 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 Yeah, just... Remember to mow the G spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so she does go down to the pharmacy that she had never been to before on many. To see the sex machine. To see the mystery. Wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and she's going down to the pharmacy, and she's you know apparently has some sort of crush on Mr. Benson. There's a lot of rumors that he pressured her into giving her second testimony. That has never been heard before. Men don't pressure women into having (laughs) sex. But at any rate, the grand jury does agree to indict Lizzie. She is indicted on three charges. Welcome back, Craig. Murdering Andrew Borden. She's indicted for murdering Abby Borden and also for the murder of both Andrew and Abby. Now, I don't really know a lot about the legality of why they gave a separate charge for both victims and then a separate charge for killing both the victims at do the same time. Do you know they time. do that today? They do do that, So I'm, but I'm not a lawyer, and I don't no, necessarily I... understand okay. why that well, is. So anyways, she's charged. <laughs> she goes to jail, and she's going to have to wait till almost June, well, till, till June, for her actual trial. So Which is not abnormal. Yeah. I don't and think she's that's going to have to stay in jail the entire time. She does. She is not given bail. She's been in jail since early August, really. So, <laughs> so 
She's going to go on trial. There is going to be a about nine months until she goes on trial. We will cover that next week. What happens at the actual trial? We'll also look at alternate theories. All right, guys, for Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime, this is Jill. Gracia. Dave. Dave. I ain't saying but my name. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest host. Steve. Signing off for now. See you next week. I'm not saying who I am. 